Are you listening to this show hoping to get some golden nuggets to help you on your way to recovery? Well, great. I hope that you find them because that is exactly what this show is for. But if you really want to take your recovery all the way, completely commit and get on track with your goals, whether they be finally feeling overall healthy, finally getting pregnant, or finally getting back to training, you'll want to join us inside of the HA Society. Not only is this the perfect community to ask questions and get your support and the accountability that you so often need during these uphill battles with body image and understanding nutrition and incorporating exercise, but it's also a hub of exclusive resources for HAers. All of the HA podcast episodes are released in advance and completely ad-free, so you can listen on the go to the raw, unedited versions, uninterrupted. All of the one-on-one coaching calls, of which we have two a week in different time zones, are uploaded to our private podcast feed so that you can listen to events with practitioners and the past community calls as though they were bonus podcast episodes, because I know how much you love to listen to this kind of stuff. And in these calls, we cover requested topics like overcoming the weight gain fears, communicating with friends and family about our HA, diving into how HA works, and debunking the imposter syndrome that so many of us have around this diagnosis. There's also an entire resources section with lectures, workshops, and training from the past events that are hosted by experts like Sarah Liz King, Laura Lyons, Kaylee McDevitt, Holly Dunn, and many more. As a member, you also get direct access to myself and Coach Ashley in the DMs. So if you have personal questions or need individualized advice about your recovery, we're in there answering your questions in the DMs, as are all of our other members in the group who impress me week after week with how they show up for each other. It's incredible. It's like women are just all becoming mini coaches for each other. It's so good. The HA Society is really the place to be if you're going through recovery, no matter what stage you're at. Whether you have HA or you've got a few recovery periods, we have your back and we're all your new best friends. So come and meet us at thehasociety.com forward slash join. That's thehasociety.com forward slash join and the link is in the show notes for you okay on with the show hey and welcome to the hypothalamic amenorrhea podcast an adulting advice podcast production i'm danny sheriff and this is the place to come if you care about getting your period regularly this podcast aims to educate inform and keep you motivated on your period and ha recovery track let's dive in Quick disclaimer, guys, I am not a doctor and this content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice. Always seek the advice of your physician. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the (laughs) Hypothalamic Amenary Podcast. I am here with Ali. Hello. Thank you for having me. Where are you based? So for the last almost two years, I've actually been based in Paris, though I would most identify myself with being a Kiwi, though I'm not 100% Kiwi, but I'm I'm most Kiwi. Not 100%? What's your other half? Well, I was actually born in France, but um, I grew up in both the UK and in New Zealand. Oh, and so. Um... <laughs> <laughs> oh that's nice French <laughs> yeah 
do you speak good do you speak French that's a good question but we're getting there we're getting there no I I do I can speak French it's just um whenever someone asks me that question I I guess my uh my perfectionist side kicks in and I'm like it's not perfect so well speaking of perfectionistic tendencies I want you to just like tell us from day one feel free to go down any tangents you want because the thing with HA is that all these different women have these different experiences around it. Like some have traumatic experiences around diagnoses and talking to doctors and some just around like having to eat more or exercise less. And the diff- I love when different women tell their stories um, and kind of go down the rabbit holes that were most important or impactful for them because there's someone else listening who's like, Finally, someone who's speaking to me about the thing that is the most challenging for me. Um, and yeah, just just go for it. <laughs> go for it. Well, I mean, first of all, I think that this, this podcast is a really great thing because HA is something that ironically is, is so unknown for something which is actually so common. Um, and affects so many so many people and I don't think people realize that so many other people are going through it and there are so many different reasons why people I don't know for a better word suffer from it Um, and if you say google it you kind of are like well maybe that's that's not how you you know that's not my story and um, but there's still lots that is unknown especially by um, by the medical community and the doctors and I'll tell you a little bit about my my experience at the doctor myself but um but starting this is really great and and obviously your idea was to have lots of different stories and so um, I'm really happy to share mine and provide um, part of the resource that you are creating which I think is just it's just fantastic so I just wanted to start by saying that um so in looking back on my own story and journey I realized that there are definitely a lot of things that led to um, me losing my period and also being able to get it back again. And I am actually a fitness instructor. I teach Pilates and bar and dance fitness. So in a way that does put me into a sort of known category of maybe not an athlete as such, but someone who does a lot of exercise. Um, and I did end up also uh, experiencing an eating disorder. So that also puts me again into a a sort of known category for losing your period. But, um, but along the way, I found a lot of things that didn't really, didn't really um, sit with me or that I didn't think that people really quite understood. And especially in the recovery part of my journey, I, I found finding information um, really, really difficult. So I, when I moved to Paris, I, I had a bit of a turbulent start and that's a story from another time. <laughs> but, um, but after being here for about six months, I sort of hit a bit of a, a bit of a, a wall where I was in this place in my head where I, I just wasn't, wasn't satisfied. And I got myself into a little bit of a dark place and, Um, everything was a bit out of control and as we as we know especially perfectionists um, when you can't control something you end up exercising extra control over other things and so for me um, 
subconsciously, I guess I should say, I began really controlling what I was eating because I guess I felt it was the only thing that I had control over. Um, I didn't really know if I wanted to stay in Paris. I didn't really know if, if I wanted to do keep doing my job. I, I didn't know so many things and I felt, felt very lonely as well. I had made friends, but it, you know, you're still very far away from your community, your family and um, your friends from a long time. And just, I just felt, I felt very isolated, I guess is the right word. So um, I did begin to lose quite a bit of weight and I had all of these food rules that I had created for myself, which actually when I look back on this journey, I realized started years and years before, like way, way, way before. And this is something that I only really realized a few months ago that actually, I guess, working in the health and wellness industry. And even before that, when I had some sort of food struggles, when I, I, you know, I wanted to give up sugar, for example, when I was 23. And so, I, you know, I followed some sort of diet plan where to give up sugar, you needed to like give up fruit and you needed to give up carbohydrates and like all of these things. And um, I definitely have gone on a, on a food journey since my early 20s. Um, and I think that last year when I was experiencing this eating disorder, it was really a result of years of disordered eating as well that I just took to this new extreme level, which also meant restricting portion sizes and and the calories and everything. Um, and it was it was interesting though for me because the foods that were on my okay list were foods that were actually very calorie dense. For example, Everybody knows that I love to eat peanut butter and I also love to eat really dark chocolate. And both of these things are really, really high in calories. So, you know, it wasn't like I was just eating lettuce leaves or anything. And so people thought because I was always eating peanut butter and dark chocolate that I must be okay. But actually my body didn't want to just survive on peanut butter and dark chocolate. And I restricted so many other things in order to be able to eat these things. And I, you know, like for me, I couldn't eat a banana because that had sugar in it, but I could eat like three tablespoons of peanut butter. And it's just like, that was just a rule that I created in my, in my head. And there were, so that's just one example. Um, so anyway, so I was, I was beginning to lose weight quite, quite fast. And um, uh, after a few months of this, my, my period disappeared. And I, I think I must have told my mum about it on a phone call and she was like, mm, this isn't good. And also people were starting to notice in, in like photos I posted on Facebook or on Instagram that I was looking quite a bit smaller than when they'd last seen me in New Zealand. Um, and so I was getting a, I was getting a mixture of comments. I was getting some comments which were, wow, you look amazing because I was also doing a lot of uh, filming um, Pilates videos and things. So people could see my body look at you look at your abs look at all this stuff so for my ego that was that was fantastic that was great um and yeah everyone was like you look amazing so I like that but then I also got from from other people like my mother um how much do you weigh at the moment and um and have you been to the doctor yet about your period and all that sort of stuff so I love this point um and I almost just want to like linger on it for a bit because I know a lot of people resonate with this one 
yeah, there are people who are praising you and that is typically the majority, right? It is. It's, it's only right. some people who are like woke or clued in or your parents that that can see this change. But the world that we live in right now, not only do we lean closer to the people that are praising us for this, but we actually think the people that are worrying about us are being ridiculous at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know about you, but my the first few people who were like, oh, you know, don't get much smaller and stuff like that. In my head, I was like, do you even know what health means? <laughs> like, like, and it's just this like bizarre, this bizarre brainwashing that we're kind of yeah. gone through. Um, and so I just wanted to like sit on that because I think it validates a lot of people's experiences so thank you for sharing that bit but yeah it, it is it is so interesting isn't it um and especially with the industry that I work in you see the hashtag fitspo people as being super lean and super toned and and everything everything like that and so I had been by that stage an instructor for um four years and I've tried to be really honest with myself about this as well, about how I felt working in the industry, um, not being as small as I was, say, last year when I was super lean with the abs and everything. And I I don't think I, I, in New Zealand, felt that I had to lose weight to be in the industry or anything, but I definitely felt this, like, sense of validation having had lost the weight. And suddenly it was like, oh, wow, look, what, you know, and um yeah so that that was that was interesting but i i also when you're in that headspace you don't really realize how much you are influenced by what's going on around you whether or not it is the people who are saying wow amazing but also you look at yeah social media and everything and i and as much as i like to say oh no i don't compare to myself to other people i think when you are in the industry and when you are also in quite a vulnerable mindset which i which i was at the time because i wasn't really not a great place I think just even on subconscious level I would have been influenced by you know other people and other people who were doing my job and my colleagues and everything like that I think it's just that's just natural it's just just human um so I was very reluctant to go to the doctor I'm not going to lie I just didn't really want to go but I was like right I'll go because you know mom was going to keep asking me if I've been and everything so I went and okay just remember for a second that I'm in France so um, I, oh, yeah. I, I went to the doctor and here they've got a great medical system here. Um, but the doctor I went to, um, she is, she is French. And um, so we did our consultation in a mixture of French and in English. And I told her, you know, I have lost, I have lost weight and I've lost my period and I, um, I also am an exercise instructor, blah, blah, blah. So four times in this consultation, she asked me whether or not I had a boyfriend, and which I did not. So therefore, losing my period because I possibly could be pregnant was 100% not an option. Yet she asked me four times if there was a man. 
and I was like, no, there really is not. I'm, I really don't even need to do a pregnancy test. Like it would be some miracle. I've had that too. I was like, I'm telling you I'm not pregnant. She's like, I'm still just going to take the test. I'm like, what do you think is going on with me? Why would I be lying about this? I know. So, um, it's only me who's going to, who's going to, um, you know, be, um, you know, have to deal with that later if I'm lying to you. So anyway, um, I had to kind of laugh at that. And the thing is, is at the time I did actually know what I was doing to myself in terms of the restrict the restrictive eating and everything um but I definitely wasn't in a place that I was going to come and tell the doctor about it and in France they they do have a reputation of being like okay you've heard the doctor you obviously want some drugs here's a prescription off you go and sort yourself out so this wasn't obviously something that required me to, to like have antibiotics but um she said well we need to eat more and that was kind of that so I was like, okay, cool, great, sweet, I'll do that. Um, <laughs> went away, did not do that. In fact, did the opposite to that and and continued to kind of get myself into a very dark place. I actually ended up going um, on a 10-day hike. I did the Tour du Mont Blanc, which is a, a very well-known hike around the, um, the Alps, which was absolutely amazing. And I look back on this time now and was like, how did I survive doing that hike when I was – it was pure adrenaline eating a lot of peanut butter but not um but still not really carbohydrates and the thing was I I couldn't sleep properly because um you know, one of the symptoms of having um HA is that you have insomnia and your body also wakes up starving and I would all I also was addicted to to exercise so as well as the fact that I was doing a very intense hike I would get up at 5 a.m. every morning while everyone else was asleep and go for an, an extra walk before breakfast. And um, the huh. yeah. before hiking, you would yeah, pre hike. Yeah. I just thought I needed to go for the extra one as well, you know, just because it wasn't enough. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So there was definitely a lot going on on there. And that's. Um, yeah, there's a lot going on. There was a lot going on there, and um, I so anyway, I, I got through the hike, and um, and yeah, by the end of it, had lost some more weight and continued to, I, I'd say, lose. More, well, I did lose more weight over the next few months. Anyway, I went back to the doctor, and um, I said, she she weighed me again, and she was like, "You've lost more weight," and I, in my head, was was secretly pleased with this because. Mm-hmm that's I saw that as success mm-hmm. and she was quite angry at me actually and was like why why are you less <laughs> and I was like I don't know <laughs> um and um she decided that she would do the the is it called the progesterone test is that what it's called yeah um, progesterone challenge you need to challenge. take some pill yeah yeah you take a pill to give yourself like a fake bleed so yeah, that like can yeah, so they can they can do a blood test. So she was telling me how I, I needed to do this. Um, but this was I was about to go on um, some holiday, and um, in France in August, like everything like shuts down. So I was like, look, I'll just wait to the end of my holiday, and then I'll do it. And I was also going on holiday with my parents. I was meeting my parents for a holiday, and. Um, Anyway, we'll skip forward to the end of the holiday. So during the holiday, I um, 
my my parents got to see the disordered eating in in real life which mm. I know was really really scared my mum and I we had a few com we had a few conversations because I know she also knew that I didn't really want to talk about it um and we did have a conversation where I said oh no I really like being this skinny and everything and she said that afterwards she said to me that really really scared her because she could see what I was doing and the control that was going on that I could only eat at the certain time I could only have these foods and all of this sort of stuff anyway I got I came back to um to Paris and I um I did I did the test but unfortunately it didn't work so I had to go back to the doctor again <laughs> I was uh, I was really happy about that. Um, and she was like, look, we're going to give it one more try. It may just be because your weight has dropped more that it's happened, but we'll give it, can we just give it one more go? So mm -hmm. I said, okay. And it was actually around this time that I woke up to what I had really been doing to myself. And I realized that actually, um, you know, simple things like, people cared about me and people loved me and I and I had I had a good life and I didn't have it all figured out of course no one ever does but but I I, I woke up to this from this place that I'd been in and um, so I mentioned before about when I was doing this Mont Blanc hike that I used to get up really early to walk and this thing is this is what I was doing in my daily life as well I'd be getting up super early every morning and it meant that I would leave all my social events early and I didn't really do much else in my life other than yeah. do my exercise that I told myself I had to do because I had to have like this meal at this time and then I had to have done enough exercise in order to deserve the next meal and then I had to do enough to then you know a lot of people are nodding along right now. <laughs> yeah, so it's yeah, earning earning the earning the food. Um so it really meant that my life was walking a lot and was teaching my classes and then literally having to lie in my bed during the day to recover because I didn't have any energy to even really walk up the stairs. Um I still don't know sometimes how I managed to teach some of my classes. Um so I was at a social event um, and I, it was getting, you know, kind of late and, and the, the usual behavior in my head was kind of going, oh, it's getting late. You should be leaving now because you're going to get up at 5 a.m. and go for your walk. And then I suddenly said to myself, no, you don't need to do that. Don't do that. Hmm. And um, I didn't. And this was the start of, the start of the recovery process, which is was was not like easy, but it began. And um, so anyway, I got the blood test done this again, and it worked. And they, you know, did the bloods and everything, and they saw there was nothing else wrong. Which, which then just meant my doctor just really had nothing to say to me other than just eat more. So she still was just on her, just eat more. There's nothing else wrong. Just if you just eat more, you'll be fine. Maybe don't walk so much. Like really helpful, yeah. helpful advice. Um, <laughs> like imagine if it was just that simple, just eat more and yeah. do less exercise. I mean, I mean we've said yeah. a couple of times on the show now, like I guess in a way, HA recovery itself is kind of simple in the sense of mm. like eating more and resting more, but that's actually like where the simpleness ends. And from there yeah. it becomes this complicated thing of emotions, 
mental conditioning, habits, fear everywhere. And it's, it's like kind of a mental health issue. It is. It totally is. <laughs> it totally is. And, and I guess this is, um, I mean, my particular experience with seeing my doctor here is unfortunately in general, of course there are, there are exceptions, but in general is reflective of the, the medical education in this country. Um, I do believe if I'd gone to see my GP in New Zealand, I would have had a slightly different experience and probably would have been referred yeah. to someone else. Um, but, but anyway, I was here and that, and this happened. So I started um, talking quite openly about what I've been doing. And it was really interesting because when I kind of came out, if you like, about what I've been doing to my body and the fact that I'd lost my period and blah, blah, blah. I had all these messages from people being like, oh, we knew this was happening. Um, and we were so worried and all of this stuff from, from New Zealand and, and the UK mm -hmm. and everything. And I was like, why did no one ask me how I was? Mm -hmm. Like, I, like I, I didn't, I didn't really like, I know obviously bringing up someone's weight is a, is a, you know, that's a difficult thing to do. Fine. But none of these people who were so worried ever, ever reached out to me and said, Hey, how are you going? You know? And that's what you're saying before about it being a mental condition is that even though I can put my, my food rules I created for myself down to disordered eating and all this sort of influence from that, the reason that eating disorder really kind of took off was because I was mentally in a bad space. And so I, I found that really just a very interesting, I don't know, time. And I had some very interesting conversations with concerned friends who who rang up and told me why I I had lost my period or told me why um so I you was, had at this point been public about the fact that you had yeah. lost your period and then they called okay. you okay so yeah then they then they wanted to help okay so I said okay well all I'd actually love is just to have a chat on the phone just that's all I'd really like to do and so I had some some conversations with some people and it was just really interesting with people telling you why you are the way you are so one of the things I got was oh well you you've become really skinny obviously because you live in Paris and everyone in Paris is skinny and I had a lot of these sorts of things um said to me and um I found that really um difficult because I was actually kind of saying the reasons why I I believe I got there it was, it was a really interesting time because it really reflected that people didn't really understand what, 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 what I was going through and the, and the whole losing the period thing and I guess the combination of the eating and the fact that my job worked directly against me because I was in a job where everyone was staring at my body and I knew that and I was surrounded by mirrors as well. And so in order to put on weight every day, I could, I was just looking in the mirror myself and looking at other people look at me. And I had some girls who would come up to me at work and say, we think you've got the perfect body. Tell us exactly what you eat. Tell us what you, um, your exercise routine, do you work out separately? Like all of these things. And I found them really triggering because I knew that my body was not working properly. And even now when I look at social media and I see again, these like, hashtag fitspo people and I look at them and I look at maybe how lean they are um you wonder, you wonder what's happening under the hood 
I do. I really do. And and the thing is, is that not everyone has to share like intimate details. And I and I had been very open about the experience because I felt with my job, I I just felt for me, I I felt like I had a, an obligation to. I wanted to share that yes, this is what I do for work, and and um, I am you know an exercise instructor, but actually. If you like anything, if you go to the extreme in either direction, you end up with problems, and um, and so this is this is yeah this is one of the reasons why I decided to, to share the story was because I I found people just coming up to me thinking that I was just because I looked looked really great it meant that I felt really great when I was really falling apart. Um, this is so, this is just so like the problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we're all just we're so vocal about what's you know quote-unquote healthy and perfect and fit and that's actually very disordered and we're so quiet about the opposite side of things so it's very hard for anyone to know that like it, they only see one path and it's just perpetuated over and over again and that's so much why you obviously shared your story in the position you're in while we're trying to have this podcast. And it also kind of brings back to this point of people feeling uncomfortable to say anything to you because it's a bit taboo. You wouldn't, you know, it is rude to comment on someone's weight, right? And, um, you know, I found by just sharing my story from my perspective, and it sounds like you sharing your story from your perspective, you're not directly saying to someone else, hey, you have a problem, but you get to say, hey, this is the thing that happened to me. If you see yourself in my story, you know where to find me. Um, and that's just what I like. It feels very full circle with the story you're telling. And yeah, it's just nuts. <laughs> Tot- totally. And the thing is, is that um, I, I, I really yeah, like you were saying, once you open that conversation. Hey, are you trying to recover and maybe even fall pregnant naturally? I thought that might be you. And if so, we have created our best ever yet resource for you. Totally free. This is a masterclass. I've called it my masterclass because I have put everything into this, right? This masterclass is designed for you if you have HA or have had HA and are dealing with suboptimal cycles and you're serious about restoring those babies to full optimization and you want to create the ideal foundation for a pregnancy, this is going to be for you. So in this masterclass, I'm going to provide you a lot of things, including a lot of case studies, mine, Ashley's and Mishi's, as well as lots of our past clients and what their challenges were and what they had to do to overcome it. And we cover a really wide variety of types of cases of HA. So everything from primary amenorrhea and missing periods for years and years to short-term amenorrhea and what we did to handle that situation as well and how long it took these people to go from HA to pregnant with this system and how long it took them to go from HA to ovulating, of course, with this system. So lots of information, lots of case studies, lots of stats. 
We go through why this is not a weight gain plan and how we actually divide you into phases, the three phases of HA and determine what your starting point is so that you have a good idea of where you need to start with your actual changes and lifestyle and nutrition changes. We even cover questions like HA and people with a normal BMI and recovery for people who have had HA for too long. There's so much in this 60-minute masterclass. Y'all, I'm impressed. And at the end, I'll also be running you through how to get a free HTMA, hair tissue mineral analysis through us, which is a part of our process for recovery and preconception clients that we're happily going to give you for free 99 as a massive thank you, of course, for joining the masterclass. So go to the hasociety.com forward slash masterclass or head to our website and you'll find a link for it and find when the next available presentation is going to be. That's the hasociety.com forward slash masterclass. And someone, yes, sees themselves, a bit of themselves in your story. It's amazing how suddenly people start talking to you about these things. And suddenly all yeah. these people were telling me that they'd they'd had a time yeah. they lost their career because they were maybe a... Maybe they're all coming out of the woodwork. <laughs> and they're all, they're all there now. I was like, oh, goodness. So maybe they were, maybe they did fit the, you know, the, the, the even the like athletes tried, if you want to say that, yeah. the, you know, um, like there are d- dancers, runners, everything like that. Mm-hmm you know, not eating enough calories, over-exercising, and then having that added stress on the body. I mean, for me, I guess I did have those things as well. I was in a, a mental mental place of, of stress. I was um, not fueling myself enough, and I was definitely over-exercising. Um, but even putting myself in that sort of stereotype, if you like, I just still found there was, there was so much that um, – there still just was this lack of, of information – and especially from like, I found like I could get more information out of um, out of like looking at the hashtag on Instagram from girls who actually had had this than from a medical professional anywhere near me. And um, and that's why again I think what you've done setting this up is great um, because you get to hear stories and you actually do get to learn. And then I did also discover um, Dr. Nicola Rinaldi and the no period now what book and everything like that and I and I and I looked at her work as well and um something was like oh wow like one person has seemed to like actually compiled a whole lot of really good information here and talked about the whole health at every size and you don't need to um like because for me even even though I had lost a lot of weight and my BMI was was below par and everything I still didn't look like someone who was about to be admitted to hospital. You know, I didn't, I was, I, and like, I I say this, like having also spoken to people who were with me and and saw me, yes, I did look a lot skinnier than I did before, but I wasn't, um, I think even like just tell someone you've had an eating disorder. I think I've talked to people about this around me quite a bit. Like at school, I felt like I learned what like anorexia was, for example. This was when you wanted to be super skinny and then and then you basically are skin and bone and mm-hmm. you're about to go to hospital and, and that's what anorexia is. You didn't yeah, learn it's very it's very clear. Yeah. Definitely. But actually 
yes, that, that is what it looks like, but it also looks like loads and loads of other things as well. And eating disorder behaviors like binge eating, for example, which I, which I also went through a period of as well. Like you can be any, you can be any size to do that. And eating disorders also mean putting on weight. And actually I, I often say to people, if you know anyone who's either lost or gained a noticeable amount of weight in quite a short period of time, there is something going on for them, something else going on for them, which is not the food. Um, but, but again, I just don't think there's, the, we just don't have that. We just not given that education. I don't think growing up. And um, so, so anyway, I continue to share parts of my story and um, so I want to say that my recovery has come in two parts. So part one was I took a deep breath and was like, okay, I'm going to like, you know, try and go all in or, you know, I was trying to, I was going to try and just consume lots of yeah. calories and, and I was doing quite a bit of traveling at the time, which meant that I was going to places and, and I wasn't just like controlling every single meal. I wasn't having like everything that I was having before. And I mean, it worked. I, I I did eat more. I did. I suddenly was really hungry. Funnily enough, it was like in my. I turned back on my my hunger signals, and they were like, "Hello, we've been waiting for this." Did you experience and, uh, this? I found myself um, as soon as I started increasing calories, like straight away, I would wake up at five a.m. Yes, and yes. need breakfast right away. Yes, is wild. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I would often. I'd often need to do that in the middle of the night as well, get up and have a mm. snack. And then, yeah, as soon as I woke up, I was starving hungry. I mean, I, I always had been a, an early morning breakfast person, mm. but this was like, if I do not eat right now. It's different, yeah. It, it, it's like, it's urgent. It's, yeah. Um, it has to happen right now. Um, <laughs> so, but also you, I, I was definitely under fueling before I went to bed because it was like, well, I'm going to bed now. I can't possibly eat a big meal because I'm going to bed and I can't work it off in bed. I can't walk in bed. Like, <laughs> so, um, mm, there was, yeah. So suddenly it was like, Oh my goodness. I was getting up. I was getting up a lot to, to eat more. And, I, and I'd often lie in bed before I, um, went to sleep actually and was like, are you hungry? Are you hungry? Do you need to have another snack before you go to bed? Listen to yourself. Um, so it, it took a few months. Um, for me I, um to yeah to get it to come back and so this is this is the interesting part I think now for me is that when it, when my period came back I wasn't happy that it came back it was like when I went first went to the doctor because my mum wanted me to go to the doctor because I'd lost my period when it came back I kind of felt like I'd done it for everybody else and not for myself I right. felt like everyone else was really happy that I had got my period back when I told them and um and I wasn't because I still did not want to put be, I didn't want to put on weight. And to me, what it signaled was that I had now put on weight is what it meant yeah. to me. And I was unhappy about that mm -hmm. um, because my mindset still hadn't really changed enough. So I spent the next few months um, still kind of going along with this, <laughs> this, <laughs> this whole thing of, you know, having yeah. a period. Um, and I got to, so it was all reasonably recent. I got to sort of the beginning of this year. I want to say sort of February time where I suddenly kind of fell off, fell off the bandwagon again and, and was like, I need to bring in some control. I really can't deal with this. I can't deal with this. Not really knowing if my body's only going to put on five billion kilograms and 
um, oh, I'm all over the show because actually, even I'll though figure I, out a different way. I'll yeah, figure yeah, out a different exactly. way. I know that's such a common thing. We, <laughs> I know. Um, I was like, no, no, yeah, there's there's another way to do this. There's another way to do this. Um, and um, I had broken some of my food rules, but I hadn't also broken um a lot of them and instead I was kind of just consuming more of the foods I was already eating so we we're going for a lot yeah. of peanut butter still you know there was still a lot of peanut butter going down just more of the, of the same and yeah. so when I brought back in some of my old I say I call them my old meals the meals that were like part of my this is the only stuff I'm eating and starting restricting again and I, I especially restricted carbohydrates um in order to allow myself to have the peanut butter and the dark chocolate and the thing is my body especially because i am an active person it needed the carbohydrates and probably not so much peanut butter and dark chocolate my body didn't want to run on that it wanted to run on on carbs um and but yeah i mean i mean how i created that rule i could go into a separate story altogether as to how that comes up but i don't think i even probably need to for lots of people who who have experimented with with sort of fad dieting or what we we think should be restricting and eating. There are people on the other side who are afraid of fat and are like, are only eating carbs because fat is more calories per gram. And it's, yeah, I mean, it's all over the place. Whatever your rules are, they all come down to the same thing where like you had this bad experience and now you have hangups and beliefs around certain food groups or behaviors around food yes it's, it's, it's very true it all comes from somewhere um so then the world then went crazy um because covid came along and i actually ended up getting i had planned to go to new zealand for two months in the beginning of april for a whole lot of things and because this was all going crazy i decided to basically get an emergency flight and go about three weeks earlier than I'd planned um, because France was locking down and, and right. I was worried I wasn't going to be able to go. And I just felt, don't know what's New Zealand happen, was I like, feel like I need... New Zealand yeah. is like the best yeah. place to be at this time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, I mean, that, that again, there's like a whole nother story because the reasons I went kind of became void and then New Zealand did go into lockdown as soon as I arrived basically. Right. So it was a bit strange, but but with that sort of stress, plus I was back to doing some of my old things, mm-hmm. um, my body then went into, okay, then no period again, goodbye. Um, so it went away again. And while I was in, so I actually ended up being in New Zealand for almost three months just because I left earlier and I only came back, I actually only came back three days after I'd planned because the flights all got changed because, you know, crazy life. Um, so during the time I was in New Zealand I mean I mean for everyone this has been a very interesting time and I think actually um for people who have had an eating disorder or or anything like this or some sort of controlling behavior I think for a lot of people they've noticed that the that behavior has just sort of um, been amplified because you can't control what's going on in the world right now so again you control the things that you can control so when I was in New Zealand I I had a few a few attempts at having a period but but then my body was like no 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 actually no we're not really going to give you that and so I came back to France and um 
what where are we now like two months ago and um yeah my body i'd lost i'd lost some weight again and no period and i was in a really bad mindset um and i can't really tell you what exactly changed for me but something changed and i decided that I was going to do this experiment with myself where I was going to go back to eating how I ate, I say as a child, I don't mean like as a baby, but before any sort of food dialogue ever. Carefully days. Yeah, exactly. And as a child, I grew up eating really great meals. Like my mum did home-cooked meals nearly every night, but we also ate a lot of pasta because my brother was a very fussy eater. A lot of pasta and cheese two foods that were on the list of things I could not have in my head. And um, yeah, I had a, actually a really high carbohydrate diet, but also with all the other things in, the, in you know, needed in the diet. So I was like, I'm going to experiment with this and just see what happens. And my body thri- has thrived on it. It's like, this is what we've been needing. And I just, I've, I suddenly had this new sort of energy, um, I don't know, leash of life came along and I felt like I could go to my and teach my classes and I felt I felt really good. I felt like I was fueling myself with what I needed to fuel my body with. I suddenly realized that no, if I ate this cookie or had this banana, the world wasn't gonna fall over. And um I just broke I just managed to break through a whole lot of um of those of those rules and I started wanting my period to come back, which was different to the first time when I was anti coming back. I just wanted it to just not come back. And and so I can happily say that it has come back again. And I, I'm still, as you know, like this is all this stuff to do with our body and everything. It, it's a journey. Like I'm not like, oh, now it's come, therefore I'm set for life. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I'm in a place where I feel like the control, the need to control has disappeared and I can trust my body again, which is something that I didn't do before. I had to control it um, because there was no trust. And now I'm actually like, oh, actually, it does know what it wants. And I'm still learning every day, like which, you know, like I mean, we all have those days, right, where we eat something and it's like, oh, shouldn't have had that or oh, I knew that would have happened if I had that. And I know that actually makes me feel sick if I eat that. So there are also those things, I think, when you're learning how to eat again, <laughs> almost, that you also do need to give yourself a break and realize that actually the average person does not have a perfect diet and that there are foods that are going to make you feel not so good some days and some days where, you know, you, you make mistakes if you like with with what you what you eat I mean they're not mistakes but you know what I mean they feel like mistakes like oh I shouldn't have done that and it's it's almost like you've got to sit in that discomfort being like yeah okay so that wasn't the best um but don't worry there is tomorrow or there is the next meal and it's fine you know it's 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 okay and I think for me telling my body that it's okay and and also providing it with the fuel that it wanted gave it the um the opportunity to to be feel like it was in a safe place again um because also i think that some people don't know that ha happens because your body is like wow 
we're not safe. We're in survival mode, if you like. We need to shut down the most unnecessary or like un- un- the most like unessential. It's like not immediately necessary. Yes, yeah, like, yeah, exactly. system right now to like run away from our danger that we're in, which no. is the reproductive system. I don't need that to run away from my caveman danger. Um, but, uh, so, so, and so, yeah, it's not a good time to bring a child into the world right now, apparently. <laughs> so I think te- reteaching my body that, um, it was safe, um, that, you know, no, not everything's not perfect, but, um, but I was, yeah, giving it actually what it wanted and listening to it and connecting to it. And, um, I, I shared with some people some exercises that I've done and they're even as simple as breathing is, is becoming really just in tune with your body by, by learning how to breathe properly. And for me, even doing Pilates, but not doing sort of let's kind of, you know, do a workout Pilates, but like, let's do something where I feel really a hundred percent connected with my body and can feel it working. And, mm-hmm. and I take these moments of, of stillness as well, which also I, I never used to like doing. I never like being still. <laughs> where I where I try and do even something like drink um I'm quite famous for having a they're called chocolate shows which is the French word for hot chocolate here so I, yes. I take chocolate show and I drink it really slowly and I I feel how it kind of goes through my body and I and I use this as an activity to listen to my body as well and be like what do we need now and I and I try to take that practice and almost take it to my meals as well and sit there and be like okay we finished the bowl do we need to eat more or do we need to have dessert are we you know are we actually done um yeah and so it's been trying to get that dialogue going and and that for me has has really helped it's it's made me listen and it's made me trust that voice again Mm -hmm. my body which I'd suppressed for so long so I love that. It's like um, you've spent so long just putting up these rules and telling your brain, well, you ate this much, so you must feel full now or you can't eat more, blah, 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 to, well, if I really try and listen to you, what are you saying that you want, body? And mm-hmm. yeah, we, we spend a lot of time and energy and strat- like building strategies at, to stop ourselves from eating food. So just the concept of coming back to that is so life-changing for so many people and a huge theme that I'm hearing um, from your story here is like it doesn't happen overnight and it it's okay like you're also your HA didn't happen overnight right so your recovery doesn't happen overnight you by the sounds of your whole story slowly implemented like first you found out about this concept and you were open to hearing about this concept and learning about it. And you probably consumed content about it over time. Mm -hmm. As like you said, you found people, you know, going through it themselves online. And that almost just like diet culture and the media have subconsciously put into our minds, what we should believe is health and fitness. You we're also able to subconsciously bring in these other messages. Like maybe there's another way and maybe you do want to fix this. And eventually it was the truth for you and it was what you wanted to do. And it, you know, it feels like it just happened, but you, 
you know, you had, you slowly worked at it and you were so patient with yourself and you realized you weren't doing, you know, quote unquote recovery very well, but, but, you know, you didn't give up. And so many women are just struggling so much right now because they feel like they need to go ham with recovery and they need to fix it right now. And if they don't, they're failing, but it's just not true. Yeah. (laughs) Tell me about your hot chocolate club. (laughs) so um so when I started sharing publicly about the kind of under eating over exercising and the loss of my period and everything part of the problem I'd realized was that how I got into a dark place I called my dark place in the first place was because I felt I lacked community and when I suddenly realized that I had this community this is when I said to myself oh you don't need to leave this event early and get up tomorrow morning and go for this mm-hmm. walk and so I thought when I when I came out and people started talking to me and sharing some of their stories and everything and, oh my goodness it's so nice to know someone else goes through yeah. this I thought well why don't I make it up my own community where we meet and we talk about these things and so I created this thing called a we call it Rendezvous Chocolat Show, which basically means hot chocolate appointment or hot chocolate meeting. <laughs> and um, <I'm> pretty. <laughs> and um, because of, again, because of my job, I had like all my all my clients and people who come to my classes, they follow me on social media. And so I, I started talking about this. And so people started coming along and I tried to do it every month. And I'd come up with some sort of theme that was related somehow to either something to do with I mean it started off by just being let's talk about you know body stuff but then I realized you know all this stuff is all related to everything to do with physical and mental health so I'd pick sort of themes to to talk about and people were really great like they'd always be quite small groups which was perfect because then people actually would open up and share all they didn't need to share they could just listen to to other people or me lead a conversation or something like that um, and then I'd also make them a, a chocolate chou, a hot chocolate. Um, so, so that was cool because also it was, it was, I chose that drink. Well, I chose that drink because A, I love hot chocolates and I don't drink coffee. And so whenever people want to meet for a coffee, I'm like, you mean hot chocolate? Um, and also because there's again, the stigma around a hot chocolate because it is a naughty drink. And so I thought, well, we're going to meet and talk about this with this naughty drink. I love um, it. I love it. So, so that's where that's where that that came from. Um, and then I would of, often do on my Instagram, like my own little rendezvous chocolate show, where I just would use it as like a a thing to to bring up just stuff to do with like real talk, if you like, to do with body image or to do with whatever and we'll talk and be like this is the this is our rendezvous chocolate show these are my you know some people do like morning thoughts on instagram or something yeah yeah, yeah. Those I things. I, yeah i thought well i just my version was was rendezvous chocolate show where i'd show myself how having my own chocolate at home and i would share some some deep meaningful words about how i was feeling about stuff um i mean i did even with when you know I, the rendezvous chocolate shows were happening because because of whatever we were all locked down or whatever I did I did still carry on sharing parts of my story um in the recovery because again I found it was really important and also because I was still doing my job and I was very conflicted for a while about doing my job actually because I was like Mm. my job is is really not helping me 
but it's not as simple as just not doing my job because that's that's my job um so I I wanted to as well as you know share stuff to do with my job and lead all the online zoom fitness and insta lives and everything that I was doing also be like well in the background there's also this other side that's going on that I'm also working on and again this this just comes down to me just wanting to be completely transparent um about about what was going on for me and not having people think that just because I could leave a lead a very like energetic class and everything that meant that everything was fine. And the thing was as well is that once once my period came back the first time, I mean I had a bit of body dysmorphia going on, so I can't really you know, like me looking in the mirror, I can't really tell you what I actually look like. But I know that I was an acceptable weight for people to no longer worry about mm-hmm. me. And that was the case, I believe, throughout the whole time when I was in New Zealand as well. Uh, no one no one really said, I mean, I know people are, again, are kind of nervous about commenting on someone's weight. But mm-hmm. people, you know, everyone said, oh, you look really good. You look really well. And mm-hmm. I know that they mean this in the nicest way. But I had to stop people sometimes and be like, I know I might look really well, but actually there are still quite a lot of problems. And a lot of them are in my head and and this is the thing which is especially relevant i think for ha is that if you don't fit that you know um typical um super 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 skinny um stereotype people think you must you must be fine and and you how can you kind of still have those problems because you look fine yep we all go through that. I'm sure everyone's also nodding their head to that. It's so tough to find a community and have everyone understand. And mm. um, I think it's great that your mother actually was on the side of understanding. I think a lot of people don't have their parents um, understanding, which is one of the most challenging things. And it just comes up for me how wonderful it is that she was in your corner for that. And I love your hot chocolate club. I think that's fantastic. I'm so jealous of the whole idea. I think it's just the best. Um, And I can't thank you enough for sharing your story with everyone today. And I feel like people are going to want to maybe connect with you. They're going to have resonated with so much of your story. And where can people, like, what do you do? And where could people maybe find you? I'm most present, active, whatever you like to say, um, on Instagram. So my Instagram handle is is just my name, which is Ali spelt A-L-L-Y, and then McDonald Bull, McDonald like McDonald's bull mm-hmm. like the animal. And if you are in Paris, then I you can come and hang out with me as a rendezvous chocolat show or come to one of my Pilates or bar classes. Thank you, Ali. I will link to your account as well in the show notes so people can go and watch your hot chocolate thoughts on there. In the meantime, I hope someone from Paris totally finds you through this. That would make my day. And yeah, thank you. That was, that was so good. Thank you so much for listening today, guys. Please subscribe to the podcast. And if you could head to iTunes specifically and leave a rating or review, that would help so much because it makes it easier for other people with HA who are Googling around to find the podcast really easily. So if you do that, you're doing a service to all of the women.